Do you like games? Cool. Do you like fantasy football? Well, you're here. Do you like games about fantasy football? Sweet. I have the perfect podcast for you. Dynasty Game Night, hosted by yours truly, Russ Fisher, Matt Price, John Bosch, and Rocky Petrella. We play games about fantasy football. You might learn a little something, but really, we're just here to have fun. So if you like playing a game about a game about a game, then check out Dynasty Game Night, a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yes, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast, Dan, Ryan, and Matt. It is episode 542 of the pod and the week 10 edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We got so much stuff to get to, but first, let's talk to Matt. Let's talk to Ryan. It was... It was a good weekend, Matt, but I got to say, your uh, your CMC take from a couple of weeks ago, that took a little bit of a hit on Sunday Night Football. Ooh, ooh. I mean, I mean, hey, he got the touchdown. He got most of the snaps. He certainly didn't get most of the carries. Uh, I, I, I certainly did not expect um, Elijah Mitchell to be as involved, especially his first week back, but... You know, I think he's getting the – I still think CMC is getting the high leverage touch. He's getting all the receptions. He got the touchdown. So, um, we'll see how it goes. Still uh, a league winner? A concern. Certainly a concern, but I still think he's a league winner. All right. We'll get to more of that in Dynasty Drum Beats. Ryan, all your takes are perfect. You've been nailing it. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, uh, we, we should say that we're able to talk about that Sunday game because we're recording one day later than normal. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I I missed uh, recording yesterday on Sunday evening as we usually do because I just wanted to go back and watch that Bills-Vikings game over and over <laughs> as many times as I could. What a game that was. I replayed it in my head throughout the day today, <laughs> and I, I, I just recalled all the instances in that game where the Bills should have locked it up, should have won the game, and they messed it up each time. So as a Packers fan, I did not appreciate that, Josh Allen. But we will move on. Uh, as I said, lots to get to. We're going to do Dynasty Doppelganger on this week's episode. We have, uh, you know, we're going to be looking at the trade analyzer. We got your sleeper stash of the week. That's a good one. Uh, we're going to set the line once again. And we have Dynasty drum beats. So um, let's kick things off right now. The Startup. We love rookies. We love, love, love all the rookies. We love talking about them. We love doing rookie mocks. And we love when rookies break out. And we had a couple of them this week, Ryan. We got to start with Christian Watson. Not a lot of people saw it coming, but four catches, 107 yards, and three touchdowns. He led the team just all over the place. Targets, receptions, yards, scoring, uh of course, no Romeo Dubs, no Randall Cobb. Uh, the the corpse that was Sammy Watkins ran around a little bit. Uh, it was nice to have Christian Watson make an impact finally after so many injuries. Yeah, Watson has been really one of the bigger disappointments from this rookie class this year because of injuries, some of those drops. That's how he started his career, unfortunately, back in week one. Um, but this, this was his chance. Dobbs was out. Uh, Lazard has been fine, but, uh, if Lazard's your top target, you're in, you're kind of in trouble, which is what we've seen from the Packers this season. Uh, Dan, I mean, let's, let's put it out here. You said not many people saw this coming. You saw it coming because you told me Sunday morning, Christian Watson is going to break out today. And, and that is, uh, you know, we don't, we don't get them all right, but when we do it, it feels good. Three touchdowns against one of the best defenses in the league. And, and now the question for Watson is, uh, number one, can he keep this production going? Not, not a three touchdown game every week, but, uh, can he be the top target for Aaron Rodgers? And really more importantly for him is, can he stay healthy? Yeah, that is the question, and I don't think we're we're out of the woods yet as far as that health concern goes because sure. it seems like week in and week out we're, we're worried about him grabbing a hamstring or, or feeling like 
you know, he could limp off at any moment, but he didn't on Sunday. And that's that's maybe the most impressive thing that happened for Christian Watson. I am encouraged, like many dynasty managers, about his upside still. But I think, Matt, there's probably a lot of dynasty managers that are thinking to themselves right now, is this the time where I should sell out? If I can get a future first for Christian Watson, should I do it now? And that's probably the question we should answer. I, I mean, I think I think you probably should if you get a first. It was a really nice breakout. It was really nice to see the juxtaposition between that play, the first play of the season, basically, where that pass, the 75-yard touchdown, just dropped through his hands. And then this time he caught it, and it was really exciting. And then he caught two more. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, th- I think I could go either way, honestly. I, I think, Dan, you're probably going to want to hold. I think I'm probably going to take that 23 first if it's like a random one. You know, I w- would rather it be mid than, than late, obviously, if you could, if it's a team that really wants to go get them. Um, but uh, I, I think I'm probably taking any kind of random first for him at this point off of this. Because, I mean, this is – I mean, it, it, this would be most rookies' biggest game, right? Any three-touchdown game it would be most, most players' biggest game of the entire season. So we're not really saying much when we say that. But uh, I don't know. It's painful. This one's painful. I think I'm taking the first, but you, you could, could probably convince me otherwise, Dan. Well, considering – where he came from over the last handful of weeks and really the last few months since being drafted, he, he battled through this, this like stigma in the dynasty community that he was a small school player and that he was all athlete and all raw athlete and didn't have the refined skills to become a real NFL receiver. And then that got piled on by all these injuries that have kept him off the field when you combine that with the drop that he had in week one, and let's be honest, even this week, he had he had a pretty bad drop early in that game yeah. against the Cowboys that, that had a lot of dynasty managers thinking, oh, here we go again. The regular old Christian Watson can't hold on to the ball. He's got to stop letting the ball get to his chest, first of all. Catch the ball with your hands, bro. But, uh, and Ryan, I kind of want your opinion on this. If you're if you're really out there either trying to, to go get Christian Watson or you have him on your roster and you think this is the time to get out get out from underneath him, where's that where's that line in the market? Well, I don't I don't think you can get a first for him in most leagues. I, I, uh, if you yeah. It, it, yeah, if you can, I would absolutely take it. All the things that we were worried about the past two months I'm still concerned about a lot of the things that you already mentioned as well as his age as well as questions about the Packers future uh, specifically at quarterback Um, all of those things are worries and and then of course uh, we we haven't gotten into the 2023 class too much yet uh, but we all know that's going to be a strong class so if I can flip Watson for a 2023 first I'm certainly doing that as I said I don't think you can and I, and I do want more than a second. I think he's worth more than that. Yeah. So he's like he's one of many many players in dynasty football worth more than a second, but less than a first. So whether that means you're getting two seconds or you're getting a second and a and a you know a lesser prospect that you like, uh, lots of options there. But uh, if if we see a value spike, I would be selling. Dan, you know. You know one thing that really bothers me, and I think they even they even mentioned it on on the on the broadcast, if I remember right. He does he did he does this thing where instead of looking up for the ball, he looks back at the quarterback. And when yeah. you're 60 yards downfield, looking at the quarterback is not helping you out. The ball right. is already in the air. You got to look up for that ball. Uh, and I, I noticed that several times. Um, I just wanted to mention that he could have he could have caught a long touchdown on that one too, or at least a, yeah, a long absolutely. another yeah. long gain. And that's that's really the upside. He 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 is one play away from making your fantasy week and scoring the the 13 14 points that that you need for him to be worth having in your lineup and and he's always one game away from one of these blow up games it feels like to me. The fact that these guys aren't coming back anytime soon. Romeo Dobbs is going to miss maybe a month. Randall Cobb is still on IR for at least a couple of weeks, and honestly, he's not affecting what Christian Watson can do on the field. I want to, I want to play this thing out. I want to see how this, how this works out in that Packers locker room, and and if this is the kind of performance that that really springboards him to a big finish to his rookie season. 
there's there's obviously a lot of refinement that needs and that we need to see in his game. But uh, four for one hundred seven and three touchdowns certainly certainly springs boards you to that to that kind of kind of big game that you want that you want in a rookie. The other rookie breakout that we need to talk about, Rashad White. He started for the Buccaneers over there in Munich. That was a surprise to many. 22 carries, 105 yards. Meanwhile, Leonard Fournette, who dealt with an injury late in the game, 14 carries for 57 and a short touchdown. He got the goal line work, it looked like. White played 48 snaps compared to just 22 for Fournette, Ryan. This is this is an interesting thing that happened overseas that dynasty managers have been waiting for. Fantasy players, really, have been waiting for. White looks more explosive, and that stat line certainly looks like it as well. If you watch that game, White looked dynamic, and Leonard Fournette looked like a goal linebacker. Hey, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes I watch these games. This happens almost every time I watch the Vikings. It, you know, is that Dalvin Cook or is that Alexander Madison? I, I, they, <laughs> they have similar body types. They have, I think one is two, one is four. Like, I always have to second-guess myself. That did not happen in this Tampa Bay game. <laughs> you knew if it was Leonard Fournette or Rashad White as soon as they took, uh, got the ball and, and took off. Um, I mean, this, is, this has kind of been building, right, for, for weeks. We've heard these reports that um, – they want to use white more and then white might even take over and and become the starter. And and that's what we saw on Sunday. Of course, part of that, uh, the snap data and and the usage overall is because of that injury that Leonard Fournette suffered a late injury to his hip, I believe. And there was even a report out uh, early Monday that, that Leonard Fournette would be fine, but which is kind of interesting because the Bucks are on by this coming week, so we're we're two weeks away from seeing Tampa play again, and we're already getting reports that Leonard Fournette is going to be fine. And you know, maybe health wise, he is. I don't know if he's, uh, I don't know if he's going to be fine as a fantasy option moving forward, though. Yeah, it's going to be hard to click that box next to Fournette's name. It's not going to be all that difficult to start Rashad White based on that usage. And and Matt, really, the the Buccaneers. They wanted to run the ball in that game. They wanted to get a lead and establish that running game so Brady didn't have to throw it 45 times. If Rashad White's getting this kind of workload, and we we would have rather seen him catch a few passes on top of it, uh, he's going to be a guy we're going to start every single week, and and maybe the sky's the limit for his upside down the stretch. Yeah, and uh, the you mentioned, Brian, you mentioned the snap data is probably not quite accurate because of that injury, but I believe it was late enough, and I think White was ahead of him in snaps in anyway, so this data yeah. may not ref- be completely reflected of that. But from week seven to nine, White was in the 30 to 40% snap range, and uh, and week 10, it completely flipped. 64% of the snaps to Fournette's 29%. Vaughn got in there for 7% of the snaps for some reason. Um, so I think, I mean, it's, he looks great. That, that run where he basically threw that defensive back <laughs> out of the way, that was like oh. Marshawn Lynch, yeah. like Derek Henry aggressive. type stuff. <laughs> yeah. And that was not some, that was one thing that I thought was missing from his game coming out of, mm-hmm. out of school, uh, was that, was that physicality. And he has embraced that, whether he learned it from Lenny or Brady or whoever it was coaching staff, uh, that is now part of his game. And like you mentioned, Dan, they haven't even uh, really unlocked that receiving part of his game yet, which we know he's so good at already. So once that comes together, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying we're going to be vaulting Rashad White up to the top five running backs like we did with Walker and Brees Hall, but I mean, with the state of the land, the state of the running back position, I don't think top 12, top 15 is out of the question at all. He might already be top 15. Yeah, we're we're more on the Ooh. Damian Ooh. Pierce track when it comes to Rashad White. <laughs> Uh, but but I was impressed with the, with what he put on tape for sure. Certainly looked like a guy that can handle a big workload. And like you said there, Matt, he's a pass catcher through and through. They just haven't done that with him just yet. Once they do, in an offense that seems to be getting their legs under them just a little bit, we could see RB2 production as soon as coming off that bye here in a couple of weeks. Sleeper Stash of the Week. Yeah, it's time for the Sleeper Stash of the Week, where we take a look at a player outside the top 200 in Dynasty ADP that you should consider stashing. And it's my turn 
to pronounce a stash, my guy is Desmond Ritter. Ritter is quarterback 29 in single quarter quarterback ADP, 225 overall. He's quarterback 30 and 130 overall over there in Superflex ADP on DynastyLeagueFootball.com. And really, he's just, Mariota's just keeping the seat warm for Ritter. At some point, it really feels to me, and maybe I'm wrong on this, that maybe Mariota is going to be the starter until they're out of contention. And unfortunately, they play in the the NFC South where everybody remains in contention because all four teams are struggling so much. But Ritter, you know, he has some of that athletic ability and I think he has a little bit more or maybe, maybe a lot more arm talent. The unknown with Ritter is the thing that intrigues me so much about his upside. I think we're going to see him still this year. Recent trades in the trade finder suggest he's he's cheap. He's a guy you can go get in super flex and two quarterback leagues. Uh, I saw multiple trades for a second round pick, which is which is kind of intriguing to me if you're if you're looking for a developmental quarterback that's going to get on the field this year. Also saw a super flex trade a third and Josh Palmer. Saw him traded straight up for the aforementioned Leonard Fournette in a Superflex league as well. And then in a deal for Michael Carter for Ritter and a third round pick. So a guy that you're not going to pick up off the waiver wire in a Superflex league, but he's on the waiver wire in a single quarterback league. And if you're deep enough, if you have 25 roster spots and you happen to see him out there, he's a guy worth holding into the offseason to see what happens. So Desmond Ritter is our sleeper stash of the week. That is brought to you, of course, by Sleeper Fantasy, the fastest growing fantasy football platform in the world. It's built around a mobile interface, so it's easy to do everything league-related from your mobile phone, no matter how complicated your league or how many leagues you play in. Join millions of players today on Sleeper, the number one fantasy football platform. Dynasty Doppelganger. So we got a bunch of players here that are similarly valued according to the trade analyzer. So really we want to we're going to we're going to do the old uh, keep trade cut game here and we'll talk about each player, their value, how closely they're valued according to trade trade analyzer and then the three of us will decide who to keep, who to trade. And who to cut. So if you're not familiar with the Trade Analyzer, it's a tool on DynastyLeagueFootball.com. You can go see the values of any tr- any player uh, in either single quarterback or super flex. And then value them against other players. You can also input them into trades uh, using the trade tool. And that will, uh, that will tell you how even the trade is and whether you should or should not do the trade. So a couple tools worth checking out. Let's talk first about this group of players. It's Cooper Cup, Dak Prescott, and Jalen Waddell. They're all side-by-side side in the analyzer. Cup worth 667 points. Waddle and Prescott just a couple points below. So, Matt, I want to I send this one to you first. And Cooper Cup, that... That injury was horrifying. The quarterback play was even worse for the Rams. Um, but since it's Cooper Cup, let's keep tra- trade and cut Cup, Prescott, and the younger Jalen Waddle. Yeah, this one, uh, this one's hurt. This one hurts now. <laughs> it sh- we should Cooper say Cup it's super. Now. This is super flex values, of course. This too. is super flex. Yeah. Yes. This, this, these first two that we're going to do, first two sets of players are super flex values. Um, so Cup has that high ankle sprain now. Um, you know, he's going to miss a while. And when he comes back, the offenses hasn't been that good anyway. I still think he's worth having on your competing teams for that final stretch run. Um, but you know, just for those, like, Oh, I think it's 12 targets a game, 11.5 targets a game, something like these averaging, like those are, that's a volume you need on your team. But when looking at these other two players, especially in the super flex format, I think Cooper cup has to be the cut. Which hurts to say. Um, I'm going to keep. I'm going to cut Cooper Cup. I'm going to keep Jalen Waddle because I want that young wide receiver. And I'm going to trade Jack Prescott because I think he has the most trade value in a super flex league. Uh, and I think I think you could you could do better. So if I was going to trade Jack Prescott, I'd probably try to upgrade a couple of spots up the up the hill, up to Kyler Murray, you know, up to Herbert, up to up to one of these top six guys. Um, but Prescott is the trade 
bottles to keep and cup is the cut yeah i had it i had it listed the same way but i i actually thought a little differently on what i'd attack on the trade market with dak prescott i was i was kind of thinking trading down a tier and trying to get that add-on piece that that would you know help bolster your depth um ryan did you have it the same way keep trade cut I had it the same way following the the cup injury uh, that that definitely impacted things uh, the the way I value these players. But I mean, I, I don't know. I don't like this game. We're we're never cutting Cooper Cup. I'm going to trade Cooper Cup no. and Dak Prescott for right. a quarterback trade, upgrade. Trade. So that's I'm going to pull uh, pull off a Matt Price here and cheat the cheat the system, <laughs> cheat the game. I'm going to package those two uh, for for a better quarterback. But yeah, yeah I, not, I did have it the same way. We're really not cutting any of these players, really. It, hopefully you don't take us too seriously on that. Uh, let's move on to the next tier of players. We're in the 555, 560 range, according to the trade analyzer, again, uh, in Superflex leagues. But we have Deshaun Watson, tight end Mark Andrews, and wide receiver Debo Samuel, uh, Ryan. This one's really fun because you have... You have three different positions, first of all, and you're you're talking about an elite, truly elite talent in Mark Andrews, a guy coming off a lot of questionable things in, in Deshaun Watson, uh, and then Debo Samuel, who has been on a merry-go-round of dynasty value, really. Yeah, this this one is tricky. Uh, well, I, I think there's there's one that's easy. I'm cutting Debo Samuel. That that part's easy. Uh, I yeah. think Andrews versus Deshaun Watson is very close as far as who you're keeping, who you're trading. Um, ultimately, I, I think I'm keeping Mark Andrews. He gives you such an advantage at the tight end position. I, I, I want to go ahead and trade Deshaun Watson. You mentioned the questions. We don't have to revisit any of those uh, other than to say – it was just a, a less than a month ago that he was sued once again. Another new, um, uh, another new accusation, another new lawsuit. Uh, if I can trade Watson for another quarterback in that range, maybe even Dak Prescott, and and kind of rid myself of that worry, I would do that. Um, and and I do think you know as soon as we get a, a couple more weeks down the road. And and Watson's back on the field, his value is, is going to skyrocket. I actually like the idea of trading Watson right now straight up for Mark Andrews in a super flex league for that <laughs> uh value that you talked about at the tight end position. Matt, did you have it set up the same way? I certainly did. I did. I went back uh, back and forth on Watson and Andrews like you guys, um, but I think the positional advantage that, that Andrews offers is just too great to ignore, so um, I would do it the same way. I'm holding on to Andrews, trading Watson in, cutting Debo. How worried are we on Debo Samuel? Um, we're on a we're on a like 8 out of 10 range, right? We got we got to be up there. I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm worried, but I don't think his value is nearly what we still think it is in Dynasty. I mean, he's still got, uh, you know, we talked, you talked a little bit more about Christian McCaffrey maybe not being that league winner. Debo got like eight carries, I think, so he's back to running the ball. Um, so he, he picked up that despite only two two receptions. So if they keep that up, then uh, I don't know. He, he's, he's so I think fun that was, to watch. I think that was probably Charger defense specific as far just, as that yeah, game plan. Yeah, just because they're they're so weak against the run, that makes sense. Um, but I mean, I, I just have a hard time believing that Ayuk has taken over completely as the wide receiver one, like the, the top target in the receiving game on that. So I, I do think it's concerning with all these extra weapons there. He's gonna, I think he's gonna have his blow up weeks, but we might have more of these kind of wide receiver three fringe wide receiver three games like we had this week out of him. I hate the the mouths to feed argument, but I mean, if it if yes. it has ever if it has ever been appropriate, this is it. Because not only do we so have so many, yeah, not only do we have so much talent on that team, but we have a iffy quarterback at best supporting all of those guys, uh, McCaffrey and and Debo and Ayuk and Kittle. And um, I mean, even if even if Debo is still the wide receiver one by whatever metric or, or judgment you want to use there's still kittle and there's and now there's mccaffrey catching passes as well uh, i'm i'm with dan it's it's an eight out of ten on the on the panic meter for me 
And Ayuk, well, he looked really good last night, like real good. So, I mean, it's... He really has possible. all season. He, he's he's yeah. looked like yeah. a sharp route runner who can get open. And unfortunately, on top of that Mouse defeat argument that you talked about there, Ryan, we're, we're talking about a coaching staff that clearly wants to establish that running game. Use the, that multi-headed backfield now uh, to move the chains, control the ball, control time of possession... And then use their weapons in spots. And with so many other weapons, including Ayuk and Kittle, and now Debo, who who has moved around the formation, but honestly, he looked like he looked like the shiny thing that that Mike Sh- or excuse me, Shanahan wanted to Kyle Shanahan wanted to show the Chargers in motion and running running back and forth. Oh, look at this over here, and then throw it to McCaffrey over here. Now, maybe those roles change week to week or even drive to drive, but it makes me think that there's going to be more of those wide receiver three type games for Samuel than maybe those wide receiver one games that we got accustomed to a year ago. I know he's not part of this, but Kittle, like, he just seems like a ghost. I mean, I, I know he's going to pop up for one of his huge games like he always does every season, but, like, he feels like somebody, like, you're only starting. It's, he's, he feels like a guy you're starting like you're starting Kyle Pitts just because the position itself is such trash that, like, you're hoping for that, that, that ceiling game. But he seems, like, not involved in this offense at all except from a blocking standpoint. Mm, we need yeah. to take that cut out. Kyle Pitts, trash, in the same sentence. <laughs> well done, Matt. <laughs> We're going to stay in the same tier of players, right around that 550, 560 range. We got some young ones. Really all rookies, because Travis Etienne is in his first year on the field. Uh, we got Etienne, the the uber-talented rookie wide receiver Chris Olave, and then his college teammate Garrett Wilson. They're all in the same range, Matt. And this one's a lot of fun because you have to value those two wide receivers, first of all, and then compare them against a running back who, although he was disappointing, I would say, to many in week 10, he has been electric for the last month and a half. Yeah, I think you could like you could legitimately assign any of these to any of these players. All three of these. Guys. You can't do that, I, man. I want them all. I know we can't do that. That's not the game. I know it's not the game. Uh, but I, 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 I feel pretty good with where I'm at. I'm definitely keeping Chris Olave. I think he has shown that he is ready to be like a legitimate pro. Uh, Wilson has flashed. Um, so I think I'm going to, and I think he, like people like him a lot more, um, a, a, more than they did at least originally, at least when it was coming out. So I'm going to trade Garrett Wilson and I'm going to cut the running back. Unfortunately, um, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like it. I love ETN. Um, I, you know, the positional scarcity, all that kind of stuff, but I want to stick with building around the wide receivers. Um, so Wilson was always getting traded and it was really between Olave and ETN for the, the keeper cut. Oh my gosh. For me, Olave was always getting kept. It was the other way around. Yeah. And I, I couldn't. I couldn't cut ETN. <laughs> I just think that that the hype surrounding or surrounding him right now is so high that it feels like on the trade market you could get a pile of stuff back for Travis yep. ETN. I I ended up cutting uh, Garrett Wilson, who's who's been impressive, but up and down for sure as a rookie, Ryan. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Dan. Keeping Olave, trading ETN, and and cutting Garrett Wilson. So Matt. Do you think in Dynasty that Garrett Wilson has more trade value than ETN right now? I, I do not. No, I, that, and that's a that's a fair point. No, that that was a mistake on my point. You talked me into to coming around to to your side just based on that because we've we talked about the last couple of weeks how ETN's a top five Dynasty running back at this point, and Wilson hasn't gotten that high. So that that was an error. You're right. All right, we we won one, right? Uh, let's uh, let's move on a little lower on the value meter here. Uh, a couple of Broncos wide receivers, Cortland Sutton, who who kind of came around in Week Ten. Uh, his teammate Jerry Judy, who left early and probably cost me a spot in my guillotine league, along with Cooper Cup. Oh. But I'm not angry. Uh, and then Ramondre <laughs> Stevenson, who was on by in week 10, all valued very similarly within a dozen uh, trade analyzer points or so. This one's fun, Ryan, but I, I got to say, I had a hard time with it. 
Yeah, I've got. I've, I had a hard time with this one as well. Matt found a a combination that uh, made me pick a running back. I'm I'm keeping Ramondre Stevenson here. I me think too. he's seen the upside from him. Uh, he has. Uh, I, I think he's displaced uh, Damian Harris there in that backfield and and done something that not very many running backs have been able to do. Make that uh, nearly a a one man backfield. Uh, Jerry Judy and, and Cortland Sutton, obviously we're going to always compare those two as teammates and just going, you know, fully on the recency bias, not only of the past week with the injury, but this whole season where, where Cortland Sutton has been the favorite target. I will trade Cortland Sutton and cut Jerry Judy. Hmm. I had the two Bronco receivers flipped. Um, but I think I really think that if you ask 100 dynasty managers which one you're trading and which one you're cutting, you're probably getting close to 50-50 responses. Maybe I'm wrong there, though, Matt. Uh, yeah, I think you – I mean, I don't know. I, I think I think you're right about that. I think Steven, Stevenson is definitely the keep. He's uh, – is he a is he a running back? I think he's a running back one in our November ADP. Yep, running back 12. Yes, yes. Uh, into the third round, and I, I mean, that feels like – that feels right to me. So uh, I'm going to keep him. I'm going to – I think you could do either way, like you said, Dan. But I think I will keep. I think I'll just keep Judy and try to, uh, and then uh, sorry, trade Judy and cut uh, Cortland Sutton for the just purely for the age factor. To be honest, yeah, I I toyed with the idea of of trading Stevenson because there is a there is a path that Stevenson's valued his highest now or perhaps in this coming yeah. off season, um, so you could get more obviously for Ramondre. But honestly, I like having him on my teams because he scores a lot of fantasy points, and that's always good. <laughs> it's time to set the line. Man, I, I it's been going all right for, for setting the line. I, I took the Packers over last week. Matt is a hater, and he took the under. How many points did they uh, score? On. 27, you, you, was it? You... I thought that was going to be like a 17-13 slog. A Packers offense that couldn't do anything and a Dallas defense that was just surging. I mean, you saw clearly saw something that I didn't, Dan, but I think you probably just wanted the, the opposite of what I did. So no, I, I really just bleed green and gold, so I had to – I'm a, okay. such a homer, right. and I, I wanted it. And, you know, earlier in the show, Ryan, you said that I called the Christian Watson breakout, and I want to take all the credit for it, but shower it down on me. But I think in the same conversation I told you I thought the Packers would lose by 10. So I was wrong on that one. On other lines that were set, uh, Justin Fields, I set that one over under 81.5 rushing yards. He blew that out of the water with 147. Quarterback won once again. Uh, Matt, you were under. Ryan, you were over. And then Daniel Jones was the was the one for rushing yards, 50.5. Uh, we both took the over. Me and Ryan, and he he had 24 yards. So Ryan and I, one and one on the week. Matt, you took the over, the donut. Brutal. Uh, we're both eight and ten. Ryan, you're still ahead of us by three games, or three three wins, I should say, at 11 and seven. So let's set some lines now. Matt, since you're down in the basement with me, you can kick it off. <laughs> I went back to a rushing stat. Um, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, and Nick Chubb are the only three running backs currently averaging more than 100 yards rushing per game this season. The three together average 102.1 when you add, add them all up. Uh, this week, Henry gets green, is, is at Green Bay on Thursday night. Barkley gets Detroit, and Nick Chubb is at Buffalo. So the line here is their their uh, their per game average together one hundred two point one. I'm going to set the line at two point five. For sorry, for all three of for, for the those three players for beating that average of one hundred two point. Oh, two point five players going over one hundred and two point one. Yes. Well, I was going to say they're going to get over three hundred six point three combined. Derrick Henry might do that himself. Barkley might do that himself. Uh, but for all three of them to be over 102 yards, that is, man, that's a long shot. Three great running backs, but I think i got to take the under. I, th- I think I'd say that only two of them do it. That's a good line. 
Yeah, I'm going under as well. Obviously worried, a little worried uh, about Nick Chubb at Buffalo against that defense. Uh, I, I just feel like Buffalo is going to be uh, ready to come out and and destroy the Browns after the past uh, the past couple weeks. So I'll, I'll go with the under as well. All right, so no separation on that one. I'll go second here. Uh, we saw Kadarius Tony make a pretty impressive debut for the Chiefs on Sunday. He gets the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday night in Week 11. Four catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown last week. And that turned into 15.7 PPR fantasy points on five targets. So that's the line, guys. 15.75 fantasy points. Over or under? I'm sorry, I missed, I missed the player. Kadarius Tony, sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> you you wimp. Um, I am going to go. Uh, I'm going to go under here. I mean, we we know Tony is a streaky player. Uh, questions about Juju Smith Schuster's health certainly play into this. Uh, he could he could potentially miss this game with uh, with the head injury. But I'll 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 go under on this one. Sweet. Do it again. Do it, man. Go under, do it. I'm not. I'm not doing under. I mean, I, I feel like I'm either going to catch Ryan at this point, or I'm not. We're already in week 11. I've got to do some game theory here. I'm going to take the over. Well, you're going to get a win on him this week because he's blowing by 15.75 points. <laughs> All right, I went first. I I answered first on the first question. Ryan answered first that time. Matt, you got to answer first on whatever Ryan's question. Fair. Is. That's fair. What's up, Ryan? All right, we've we've had some big uh, fantasy production, big games lately. It uh, feels like most of those have come from Justin Fields, but Joe Mixon had that fifty-five pointer a couple weeks ago. Looking at at the entire season, we have had eight players or eight games where a player scored thirty-five or more fantasy points. So not quite one per week, but uh, nearly an average of of one. 35-point fantasy game per week. So that is what we're looking at for week 11. Uh, and and the line is 0.5. Are, are we going to see any players with a 35-point fantasy week in week 11? I'm just quickly browsing the schedule one more time. Um, I'm going to take... Ju- I'm Justin take Fields is gonna... active in, in week 11. <laughs> he is playing. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say, Oh, I'm going to say at least one player goes over 35 fantasy points. Yeah, I have to, too. I was hoping you'd say under, cause I think, I think this is like a, like a minus 120 type line, right? It, it feels like it's most likely to go under, but it only takes one. So you gotta, you gotta take it. So I, I'll, I'll take the over as well. Fields has been over it each of the last couple of weeks and, and, Geez, take one Barkley gets the Lions, so he's got a he's got a very good chance of getting over it. Dynasty drum beats, man, so many stuff, so many things, so many stuff has happened over the last uh, couple of weeks that we've had to glaze past. So we thought we'd catch everybody up on what's happening around the Dynasty community, especially with what happened last week or or on Sunday particularly, um, and check in with some of the news and notes from around the league. And we're going to start uh, start at the top, really, Matt. It's Cooper Cup, that ankle injury against the Cardinals. Uh, it looked serious. Turns out it is pretty serious. He's going to miss multiple weeks, really. Didn't look good without Matthew Stafford under center. We don't know what the timeline of Stafford is. Hopefully these two can get back on the field together and Cup can help win Dynasty Championships once again. He only caught three passes and got negative yardage before leaving the game. I know you gave your, your input a little bit earlier, but, but Cup... He's he's just a hold at this point. We gotta we gotta try to ride it out and make the playoffs, and hopefully he's back by then. He is. Um, uh, I, I think he's the ultimate hold. I think you have to count on that volume once we get to the playoffs, and, and hope that Stafford is back. Um, we had that concern early in the uh, in the off season that Stafford had this elbow thing. 
Um, you know, hopefully he can rest up and, and get over that. It's funny, uh, J- John Bosch and I, we co-own a team, and it's actually Red List 3 mm. um, where, where we all play. And, and there was a lot of, like, uh, kind of back and forth with trading in the morning, uh, player p- teams trying to acquire the same teams as us on the Vampire team so we couldn't steal them. Last second, a team acquired Cup, and uh, John was like, we should take this. We had a deal. I think it was um, Olave and uh, Tyler Boyd or something for Cup. And uh, I rejected it immediately. Bosch was like, "We maybe we should have take, taken that. I said, I don't know. Uh, I don't think it matters that John Wolford is in there. Cup is still going to get his 15 targets or whatever. And uh, obviously he got hurt, so we'd, we don't know how many targets he would have gotten. But that's looking like a pretty bad call at this point. But I still think he is... I mean, if is there is there a wide receiver outside of maybe Tyree Kill and Stephon Diggs? I guess you could throw Justin Jefferson into that um, that mix. But out, outside of a few of those guys, I think there's no wide receiver that you feel most comfortable clicking that checkbox next to. So I, I, I'm holding him. I'm not going to move him based on this news. As a contender, I'm not going to try to take 50 cents on the dollar and get another player to plug into my lineup. I'm just going to hold and, and hope it works out down the stretch. Uh, if you could trade for him on a contender right now and you have – Debo Samuel. Are you moving Debo for Cup right now? Yeah, I do that. How about DJ Moore? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you mean get DJ Moore for Cup? Oh, sorry. Offer DJ Moore for Cup? Yeah. Yeah, I'd absolutely do that. You're giving up Godwin? Yes. Are you giving up Amon Ross and Brown for Cooper Cup? No. Okay, that's about the line. Cooper Cup, wide receiver, six. Uh, in the latest DLF ADP, I'm on Ross St. Brown right around wide receiver nine. You see DK Metcalf, you see T. Higgins, my guy Chris Olave is in there as well. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a, he'll be a guy that's probably moved in dynasty leagues here this week. Yeah, I mean, I mean there's a couple things to be concerned about here. It, it's a high ankle sprain, and we've we've seen it even this year that a high ankle sprain might mean one month. Uh, I mean, think about the Irv Smith diagnosis. It was 10 to 12 weeks for a high ankle sprain. And maybe that maybe that was because they just traded for TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> that, that that diagnosis changed a little bit, but or that that length of uh, time out. But then you you combine that with the fact that the Rams are three and six and, and just, you know, have had all sorts of trouble this year. And I, I mean, I, I think it's possible they just shut him down and we don't see Cooper Cup the rest of this season. I think that's I, – I wouldn't say that's likely. Uh, we don't know enough yet to say that, but I wouldn't be surprised either. They do get the Chargers in the Week 17 championship game. And if, he, if, if, he's, if he's on the field, that like would be great. Sc- <laughs> it feels like a high-scoring yeah. Yeah, like high game that I want to wait around for in the, t- in the championship game. Guys, there's an elephant in the room right now, and his name – is Justin Fields. He uh, he was he was amazing. Once again, just a dynasty darling right now. He threw for 167 and two touchdowns. But it's all about the legs. 147 yards and two more scores. He's now the quarterback 3 on the season and the quarterback 1 over the last month. Five I I don't know what kind of time frame you can put on it, but he's probably the quarterback 1 over that time frame. He stunk at the beginning of the year, and he is a monster right now. He's a cheat code, really. He's like having a running back and a half and a quarterback in your starting lineup every single week. And I just don't know what's going to stop it because the coaching staff clearly says, Ryan, we need Justin Fields to be Superman, and they're letting him do it. Yeah, finally. I mean, this is – we all knew this – you know, we all knew what change the Bears needed to make. Um, we said it all of last season. We said it the first month of this season. Why don't they just let him run the ball more? And and once they finally did, it it has certainly gone very well. He has more fantasy points uh, from a rushing standpoint than either David Montgomery or Khalil Herbert, uh, which I guess that really shouldn't be a surprise. But for a quarterback to do that, uh, compared to a couple good running backs on his own team, it it's still you know just shows how good he's been. Um, I mean, it's just a matter of how high with with some lingering concerns about uh, his passing game. How high can we move him up the rankings? And it it really feels a lot like what we did with with Jalen Hurts a couple of years ago. It really does. But 
like on a, I'm a purist when it comes to football. I want a quarterback that can throw the ball. But like when it comes down to it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he is an average passer of the football because he makes up for it 15 times over with with these rushing plays that are designed and then the other ones where he drops back, looks at one target and decides to run. He pulls down the ball and so Yes, in the long term, and we need to look at it that way because we're all playing dynasty here. There is a path where the athleticism doesn't do enough for the Bears and they have to move on. But the truth is we all want these guys, these athletic freaks, as well as the guys who are pocket passers, to be on the field and make the mistakes and, and learn and get better. And Fields is slowly getting better as a passer. Whether that takes another year or another few games before it really clicks, a lot like what Hertz has done uh, in the last year and a half, it really doesn't matter because he is he is transforming, he has been transformed already into a high-end quarterback one for fantasy. And whether you think that can last for an entire career or not, in the short window and the short time frame of a year or two, he's going to score enough points and be valuable enough to be way worth worth way more than any investment you put into him. So, well, you know, I'm a Packer fan. I don't I don't want the Bears to be good, but Justin Fields is everything we wanted him to be as a dynasty manager. And honestly, to me, he's what I thought Trey Lance would be. He he's doing those yeah. types of things. And you know, Lance is limited as a passer as well. And he's doing it on a on a on that roster with way less talent. And that just makes dynasty managers salivate at the upside. Dan, I think it's a little bit of a disservice to say he's a below. I mean, I think you said average, you know, mediocre, whatever the word is you want to say. I mean, that was one thing we really liked about him coming out with that. He was developed at more developed as a passer than, than Trey Lance, you know, that deep ball accuracy and, and, and for Ohio state, that was one of his best assets. So maybe it's just the fact that he is, you know, the weapons are, are not great. The offensive line is not great. And they finally said, you know what, we can't win this way. We need him to run. And uh, I think there's, there's stories out there of them, st- of them studying the Lamar Jackson playbook. Uh, from uh, from uh, uh, forgot the name of the coach off the top of my head. Anyway, um, but anyway, I think he's a good passer. I think he wants to get weapons. That stuff's going to come together. We already we already know from some people's work that the that the running quarterback isn't maybe necessarily as, as injury prone as as we may think he is. But going back to like guys like Robert Griffin the third and stuff, that's just a different style of quarterback, different way they were running. These guys are prepared for the prepared for the hit. They're 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 ready for it. They're they're be able to put their bodies in position that they're not going to take that giant hit because they're expecting it. I think the real test for him. I think he's going to have another massive week this. Week week uh, in week 11 against the Falcons but then we're going to really find out what Justin Fields is made made of I think we got the Jets coming up after that who have been a fantastic defense over the last uh, last month or so the Packers uh, I'm a little bit worried about that one Dan Packers defense up and down really good on paper but not necessarily living up to that uh, but then Eagles and Bills uh, the first two weeks of the fantasy playoffs that's going to be really tough I think for him uh, and then if you make it all the way to week 17 uh, he got the Lions again. So we just saw what he did to the Lions. If you have him on your team in Week 17 uh, and you make it there, you're going to be pretty happy, I think. Well, I think, and I think it was Greg Roman you were trying to think of. He's coached Moment, Lamar Jackson yes. and 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 a ton of of Russian quarterbacks. I, I compared him to um, to Jalen Hurts, which is probably from a dynasty value standpoint, probably not a good comparison because the reason we hesitated in valuing Hertz appropriately based on what we were seeing on the field was that lack of draft capital and the thought of if he doesn't turn into a good passer, they could just draft a quarterback in the first round. This is more Lamar Jackson, even though he's not a good, a good passer of the ball. He's got the draft capital. We've invested a first round pick into him. He's shown, uh, he's shown certainly upside and shown flashes as a passer and as an athlete in general, he's he's safe as a as a NFL starter. Um, his job's not going anywhere, 
And that makes him safe as a dynasty asset. And you mentioned, Matt, you mentioned the schedule. I mean, he's already done it against the Patriots, who shut down quarterbacks, and against Dallas, who has shut down quarterbacks. So I'm not too worried, honestly, about the schedule at this point. Yeah, me neither. He's going to be a quarterback one every single week moving forward. Kadarius Toney, he had a breakout game, at least at least for the Chiefs, in his, in his first real opportunity. I mentioned his stat line earlier. I didn't mention the two carries for 33 yards as well. The Chiefs didn't have Miko Hardman. They lost Juju Smith-Schuster during that game. And now it seems like he's a couple weeks into that playbook, a couple weeks into working with Patrick Mahomes and the rest of that offense. Seems like he's gelling. And he's a, he's a perfect fit, to be honest, with that Chiefs offense. Obviously, he has to stay healthy, but everything I saw on Sunday with Kadarius Toney in that Kansas City offense points to being him being a dynamic playmaker that Andy Reid is just staying up at night trying to figure out how to get the ball in his hands. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it was the most simple little catch on a crossing route, and 99 out of 100 wide receivers just step out of bounds. Because he was pinned in there. And he made a wicked jab step, stepped inside the defender that was in front of him, and got four or five more yards before stepping out because the whole team of defense was around him. Those are the kind of things that Kadarius Toney can do. And and whether it's in the running game or as a passer, because we know they're not going to give the ball to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, Toney is going to get lots of touches, and he's going to blow by that, that line that I set earlier in the show his touchdowns aren't going to be as easy as his touchdown in this game though where there was like wasn't a player within 20 yards of him and he caught the ball and just stepped <laughs> Agreed. in the end zone though so we'll see <laughs> Hop, hopped into the end zone um yeah hopped into on one yeah one leg. i mean just the fact that we saw Kadarius tony you know miraculously healed after a a, a season long injury or half season long injury with the giants. You know, he, he lands with the, one of the best offenses in the league and, and his leg feels a lot better all of a sudden. Um, I mean, that's kind of a joke of a story, but the real story is he's dealt with injuries his whole career. So as, as high as the upside is on a week to week basis, that's still my concern long-term. Uh, and, that, and that's all that fair. Now, that's all fair, but just to play devil's advocate on that, we don't know for sure that that was Kadarius Tony saying he's injured or the New York Giants saying he was injured. Well, no, and that's why I'm I'm saying it's been an issue throughout college. He had one healthy college season, and he turned that into um, becoming a a first round draft pick. So good on him. Um, first round, yeah, I think he was a first yeah. rounder. Yeah. Um, yeah, good good on him. I hope he stays healthy. He's obviously a fun player to watch. Um and that for me that's just going to be my concern. We know he's going to gain some value based on being with the Chiefs and uh, having a nice game on Sunday. I I would I'm not willing to pay up the new price for Kadarius Tony. Let's move on to DeAndre Swift. He had a 9-yard rushing touchdown, guys, and he ran for 6 yards on 6 carries in the game. Um, I guess it salvaged his day, but he's playing behind Jamal Williams. Justin Jackson is getting more touches and more snaps than him. Swift was on the field for just 19 of 62 snaps and touched the ball seven times for 12 yards. Luckily, again, he scored that touchdown. He hasn't finished higher than running back eight in a game since week two. I don't know what you guys think about this DeAndre Swift thing. But ADP suggests he's an elite running back. He's all the way up there at running back eight overall in the middle of the second round. And dynasty value, dynasty managers are valuing him that way. The truth is, on the field, he's Naheem Hines. He's a pass-catching scat back that mixes in from time to time and is a guy that we can trust putting in, his, in our lineup when it's a good game script, when we expect a good game script. And that game script didn't come in Chicago. They were in a close game. They needed to run the ball, and they handed it to Jamal Williams. They handed it to a guy that was on the street a couple of months ago in Justin Jackson, and they, they decided to give Swift a few touches. He's not on the field enough to score enough fantasy points to be in your starting lineup, and he's certainly not 
uh, a big enough part of the Lions front office and, and coaching staff's plans to be the RB7 in Dynasty rankings. Last week, Dan, he had the same number of targets as Justin Jackson and had one fewer catches. So it's not, it wasn't even back then. It, it happened literally this week. It's uh, it, Swift says he's healthy. The coaching staff said he's not ready for a full work, workload. It seems to me they just like Jamal Williams better. We saw... I, I they don't, don't trust watched, him to stay uh, healthy. Watched, watched, we, we watched them on hard knocks. You know, this Jamal Williams is a coach's player and Dan Williams is a guy that's going to support Jamal Williams, I think, over over uh, DeAndre Swift right now. I know this is all narrative. All we'll Say whatever you want about it, but with the injury and everything else, it just feels like it's not happening for Swift this season uh, unless he just completely gets – I mean, he was off all of the injury reports, but it feels like he still has something. He didn't look the same on those, on those six carries. Uh, that one nine-yard uh, touchdown run was nice, but uh, otherwise he was, looked completely ineffective. So I'm hoping this is only a health thing, but running back eight in the second round is egregious at this point, I think. Yeah, I mean, you said it's a narrative, but that's that's what I was thinking too. That this is what they're getting from Jamal Williams is what Dan Campbell wants. He's that old school type of coach. We heard about it when he was hired, and you know what, biting kneecaps or ankle, whatever that was. That was you know all that crazy talk about offensive line and pound the football, and that's what we're seeing with Jamal Williams. So, and Jamal Williams has played great. Like honestly, why would yeah. they why would they go away from that? Um, He's he's performed well when given the opportunity. And I think the the best case situation, which just feels crazy to say, the best case situation for DeAndre Swift the rest of this season is that he can push Justin Jackson back to the bench and and reclaim the forty percent of this of this backfield where the where Williams has the sixty percent. That's that's what I'm hoping for at, at, at this point. Somebody asked me today, a friend asked me today, uh, who do you want in Dynasty, DeAndre Swift or Chris Olave? He was really waffling. That was an easy, That's easy an question easy one. for me. Oh my That's goodness. not even close, yeah. Yep, not even close. Uh, uh, Swift had 31% of the, of the snaps last, this week, 16% in week nine, 55% in week eight. So uh, I don't know. It seems like it's going the wrong direction. Elijah Mitchell returned to the 49ers lineup, and he he was in an even smet, uh, split with Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey played 47 snaps to just 24 for Mitchell, but they both got 20 touches, and Mitchell totaled 88 yards to McCaffrey's 77. Matt, you kind of you, you kind of said your piece on this in the open. Ryan, you got anything to add to that? Uh, well, Matt, I mean, Matt mentioned he was surprised. I think everybody was surprised that Mitchell had such an impact and, and such a large role here. Um, I mean, the question just has to be, is is this what it's going to be like going forward? I do think the, um, the opponent, the Chargers, uh, struggle against – against the run they have all year they've suffered another injury or two in this game to their defensive line I mean it just always happens with this team but uh, I think that that was part of it and and it's not like McCaffrey's going away or getting phased out I mean none none of that is happening but he's not going to get every touch from from the backfield either I mean Elijah Mitchell is uh, he's he's a proven player in the league we've seen him produce after a strong rookie season I just, I guess the only real takeaway is I think Matt is probably wrong about his league winner situation. McCaffrey's still going to be a solid starting running back every week, but um, I don't think he's carrying anybody to titles. You'll, you'll see. You'll all see. <laughs> all right. The truth <laughs> is they both had 20 touches. There were 40 touches for these two to go around. That's not always going to be the case. I think Matt made a good sure. point early on when he said that the leverage touches, those catches – And those plays in space all go to McCaffrey. Let's talk about another running back on the other end of the spectrum. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, just four snaps. He didn't get a carry, got two targets, but didn't catch a pass. If you started him, you got the the donut. Isaiah Pacheco, on the other hand, 16 carries, 82 yards, and looks like the clear starter, the clear preferred option there, Matt. Any any thoughts on this Kansas City backfield? I just... I, I don't know what I'm missing with Pacheco. I know he's out athletic, but he to me does not look like a, 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 like great at his job on the field. I mean, 16 for 82 is fine. 
Um, he's getting the volume now, but he doesn't seem like somebody they necessarily want to uh, feature. So I, I don't know. I, I think I would, if, if somebody's excited about Pacheco off of this and, you know, you want to throw out the four snaps for Clyde Edwards here, that's fine. But I think McKinnon is the, is the true beneficiary of what's going on in this offense. He's going to be in there in those really important situations. Um, so I would, I would rather spend, a, you know, basically nothing to have McKinnon on my team rather than Pacheco at this point. Yeah, that's a good point. We should jump over to Tua Tungavaloa. He threw for 285 and three touchdowns. Miami, this was some good writing. Ryan put this together for me as Miami smeared the Browns. Uh, that's why McDowell's the best. The Dolphins are 7-0 and in games that Tua starts and finishes, and he averaged tw- averaging 22.5 fantasy points in those games. That would be good for quarterback four on the season behind only Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts. Tua is perhaps a league winner, Ryan. Yeah, he might be. We haven't talked uh, kind of updated rankings or really super flex ADP lately. Is Tua a first rounder in a super flex dynasty startup in the spring? Mm. I yeah. think so. When he's that young and that productive, I, he has to yeah. be with those weapons. Tua or Trevor Lawrence? Tua. Tua. Is it's easy at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's an easy one, and that I, think, I don't think I, we would have guessed that's of, happening. This is going to be a stretch too, I think, I, and I, and and it's probably my bias from the coming out from when these two players came in the league, uh, and I know Chase is out, but I think it's I think it's at least a conversation for Tua and and uh, Burrow right now. Oh, for sure. It's absolutely a conversation, one that's worth worth happening. We just don't have enough time to have it right now. Last thing we need to talk about, Zach Ertz. Season-ending knee injury on Sunday. That devastated my dynasty rosters. This show's all about me. With Ertz leaving the game early, rookie Trey McBride played a larger role, playing 62 of 68 snaps. He caught... Uh, he got his only target for seven yards, but he's going to play a bigger role down the stretch. A guy that we're looking forward to seeing on the field, and hopefully if we have him on our dynasty team, we see good things sooner rather than later. We are out of time, guys, and we had a lot of fun talking about all this stuff this week. We're going to do it again next week for Ryan and Matt. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.